Welcome, adventurer, listener, and kindred soul. You are listening to Starlight, a Dungeons & Dragons space opera podcast on the Ink & Virtue Network. Whether a new friend or an old one, we are glad to have you along for the adventures. The Ink & Virtue Network is dedicated to delivering stories of epic proportions straight to you. Whether it's listening to the impromptu adventures of Squad Luma or diving into the manuscripts of an author, there is something here for everyone. You can support the show by rating it, sharing it with a friend, or finding your way to our network's coffee page where donations help us to keep the magic alive. We appreciate you, and fare thee well, Spacer. Travel safely across the great expanse. Hi guys, Isaac here. One quick note before we get on to the episode. I just wanted to let you know it is the holiday season and we at Starlight are super pumped for that. And with that, we are going to be taking our annual two weeks off after this episode. So we hope that however you guys spend your holidays, Christmas, whatever, you guys cozy up next to those you love, friends, family, have some hot chocolate and just enjoy the season. All right, back to the episode. Here we go. Roll for initiative. Welcome, guys, to Starlight. We're glad to have you back. As usual, I am your host and GM, Isaac Yorks, and I'm joined by the fantastic, the fabulous, the amazing... Nathan Coots. No, I'm joking. This is Courtney Yorks, um, and I'm playing Ray Byrne. You got his monotone accent. Perfect. That was was, uh, the plan. (laughs) I play Atlas. Atlas who? Just Alice. I think he's going to hear that at some point, and he's going to know you're making fun of him. I love it. He should. I'll be honest. You just told him no idea what I was going to say now. (laughs) You totally ruined my track of thought. I was just trying to be funny. Yeah. Well, okay. Good job. Um... Seeing as it, whatever I couldn't, was going to say, I can't remember what it was. It must not be important. So I'll move on to the important things. It's probably somewhere around maybe getting close to January, maybe into December. And, um, or maybe not. I don't know. But the amount of months that we're counting down towards Ascendant, a saga of valor being out and available is coming up. And so I'm going to start kind of like letting you guys know um, as we're getting closer to the book coming out. And I think we've talked about it a little bit before, but at some point we're going to even do a short spinoff series of just like one, two or three little episodes set in the world of Ascendant. Um, And yeah, it's just a really exciting time. The book has gone through so many 
edits. It's you know it's been to a professional editor, and best of all, it went through the great gatekeeper of you guys, the audience, friends, families, people I don't know who have given it the thumbs up and brought it to life. So I want to put this out there, share it with you guys. Um, you've heard a little bit of the storytelling that we can do here, and if that interests you, then you can pretty soon check out Ascendant for yourself. But um, without further ado, why don't we jump into this episode of Starlight? Ba-ba-bum. Neuralink, recall latest memories. Accessing. Forced into indentured servitude on Station 21, Ray finds herself allied with a gray named Bilgore the Wretched and a grandmotherly Loxodon named Amira, battling hustakers, constructing dragons, and disseminating the truth of the guild's activities. But when a congratulatory supper with the taskmaster of Station 21 allows Amira to hear an encrypted message over the radio, Ray suddenly finds that she is no longer the only one eager to leave the penal colony behind. The question of how they shall escape, however, is still to be determined. Memories retrieved. Why don't we... We'll start off by rolling for inspiration. I'll roll in the open for you. For inspiration? Yeah. Right now, because um, all of these episodes are happening, bang, 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 on we're on break while we're recording, I'm not asking people to vote. Oh. So we're just going to roll. Highest cool. number wins. Wait, you could get an inspiration? Yes. Oh. It's an eight. That's in. Oh. 18. And so I will take that inspiration and use it for worse. Or better. Or better. Totally depends. Um, but with that, we jump in to the tail end of dinner with Mr. Hidoki. And let me just set the scene for you. Your guys' stomachs, you, Amira, Bilgore the Wretched, and Hidoki, you are all stuffed. And there is no shortage of food. If it's asked for, more is brought in. The finest drinks are had, and conversation that stays light, surface level, and whenever it strays to dangerous topics, Hidoki moves it away like a politician easily. Now as dinner starts to unwind and come to an end, Stupid comes back in at the press of a button on Hidoki's table side. He says, Oh, (laughs) brother, why don't you take our two guests away? I would have a... I would have a word with, uh, with our newest friend. Mm-hmm. Stupid just nods his head and he goes, this way. And he shuffles Amira and Bilgore the Wretched out. Bilgore walks out without much of a second look, but Amira pauses at the door, looks between you and Hidoki, and she says, We'll be waiting out in the hallway. How can I help you? 
What do you need? I knew this wasn't a simple leave praising my good work. <laughs> but your work was actually is your work is exceptional. You are a hard worker and from what I hear you you get along well with the others? Why why can't this just be praise for you? Then why did Amira and Bilgore have to go? Because, oh, because you have told me so many things about things that, oh, things that don't exist, but you insist that they do. And, well, I wouldn't want you to look crazy in front of the others. And he leans onto the table and puts his hand, his, his chin into his hand as he looks directly at you. Ray crosses her arms. She leans back in her chair very comfortably and says, And what is that? I've been thinking. Oh, you can think? I'm just giving you a hard time, Hidoki. Just trying to lighten up the mood a little. You seem to just take life a little seriously. The smile on his face never moves, but his eyes kind of, like, create a frown. <laughs> oh, you're, you're so funny. <laughs> I know. I find myself hilarious. Yes, and are you enjoying Pleasantville? No. Oh. 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 It's Why not, not pleasant at all here. No. Oh. Uh, it's really what you make of it, my dear. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if you make husk takers, it's... Husk takers? Husk takers. That <laughs> hunt you in your sleep and come into the home that you're sleeping in. Well, now that's an impossibility. Is it? The husk no. takers that we order up are only left out on the asteroid in the perimeters. Kept there by certain perimeter guards and... <laughs> You, there would be no such thing as husk takers in Pleasantville. They are only to keep people trying indentured servants from escaping. Especially if they have secrets that we worry about. I think you're lying to me. Well, Hodoki, I do assure you that um, a husk taker came into our home the other night. Um, I think it was my first night here. And most certainly tried to kill me. Go ahead and make a persuasion roll. Nat 20, minus 3. <laughs> he leans back in his seat, now taking you very seriously, and he says, I, sh I assure you, there should be no such thing that like that happening. There should be no such thing like that happening. But I assure you, there is something like that happening. Well, give me the details of such an event, then. Well, I was sleeping comfortably by the fire in Amira's home after a lovely dinner when two people seemingly released a husk taker. Two, two, two people. Two <laughs> My people. dear, you, we, you bring up the inconsequential details about you sleeping by a fire. What about the two people? Did they look like they had a husk taker? Can I do a, um, a history check? Yes. 
And that 20 plus 3, 23. You remember their faces were covered mm-hmm. even when the light was lit. And the other one, one of them just like was very hard to distinguish, but one had piercing blue eyes, almost like like the kind of blue from just melted ice on like a spring morning. And he had a scar that ran horizontal in between the eyes. Hadoki. If I tell you what these men looked like, people looked like, do you promise to help me in assuring this doesn't happen again? I assure you, my dear, and he picks up his wine and slurps it. I have a vested interest in making sure that our labor is not harmed. I am the administrator here for a reason. Especially such high-quality labor. You would not want that to... Go sour. Yes, yes. Well, we can talk about the high quality of you in a second. They wore masks. Mm -hmm. It was hard to tell who they were. One, though, had piercing blue eyes, like you would expect to see in a melted glacier, with a scar that ran directly between his eyes. It almost looked lightning bolt. Does that sound like someone you might know? Perhaps, 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 perhaps. Let me see here. He pulls out his data pad and begins kind of going through what look like different case files. And then he pulls up a, a picture of a human person scowling in this like pop-up picture that's kind of coming up off of the screen in like a hollow vid form and the head is twirling around you know 3d you see the eyes that match they have a they have a frown hair that is ragged and a kind of like five o'clock shadow this is the individual perhaps that is him that's exactly who released the husk taker. Mm, that's not good. Who is this? Mm, that is Cypress Mandelin. Mm, this case file, to be completely honest with you, he's um, not good people. He's, uh... It seems, my dear, that you've done something to offend the Vendettas. That would be my biggest guess. Who's the Vendettas? Oh, Cyphers is a part of a, uh... I'm sure you've noticed that in Pleasantville, it's, uh... People kind of stick to their cliques. Usually biracial groups, you know. And who am I to disrupt them? You know, these squabbles need to be figured out for themselves. And every once in a while, there's a tussle and my guards, they love it, so. Who are the Vendettas? A gang! Are they orcs? No, it's humans. Does this look like an orc to you? Really, for someone with such fine craftsmanship, I would think she could think a little bit clearer. Well, I do think it would be wise to have me transferred. <laughs> hmm. Ah. 
And that is where we come back to my conversation point, my dear. The reason why I brought you here. <laughs> I called it! I nailed it! I knew it wasn't to praise my work. Give me a plus one for that one. Mm. Am I right, Hidoki? <laughs> one for me, zero for you. Yes, so I would see. Often it is good to... <laughs> What should we say? Uh, bend over for those who seem to be in better positions. Feel. <laughs> I want you to know that I will never bend over for you. And I lean forward with my elbows up and my chin resting in my fist while I'm simultaneously cracking each finger. Are you getting so serious before you even hear my offer, my dear? When I said we don't often have people like you, like I meant it. Then you go and show your excellence with your performances. You wow my guards and those who are the overseers. And not only that, it would seem you make a splash, making enemies with the vendettas, it would seem. But you claim to have knowledge. Now, I... I think that you are perhaps more trouble than you're worth. Don't you think? I am a lot of trouble, but it depends on the worth that you put on that. Well, I have the power... To have you moved. Not only to have you moved, but released. And I'm assuming that doesn't come for free. Well, nothing in this world comes from for free. A, uh, tit-for-tat, if you will. And what is it that you want, Hidoki? And that's when he sips the drink, the wine that is red like blood. one night with you and then you are on the first starship out of here wherever you wish to go is this a night brawling is it a night sipping wine is it a night of painting is it a night of looking up out of the stars why, it could be all of those things in one, my dear. I only choose brawling. Well, I do hear that they call it brawling. A duel. The... <laughs> oh, my. You mean a. I a demand fisty a duel. Cu- fisty cuffs. A duel. What are we, some backwater savages? I really expected more of you. You obviously were wronged in being put here. <laughs> well, you just admitted I was put in here wrongfully. Of course, by your words. I did not say by mine. Nor by the paperwork that Mr. Stack left me with. Mr. Stack. 
So how much time do I have on this prison planet if I don't spend a night with you? <clears throat> well, <laughs> when all the charges are added up, my dear, the amount of <sighs> labor that you have to pay off is the... It's... We're looking at roughly about two million credits. Now, of course, your wages, even at the stellar work that you're making right now, is only so much. But you are making even less because these accommodations, these homes, the clothes we provide you, the food, you know you must spend money to live. So... Give or take, I don't know, you're probably, what, bringing home two to five thousand credits at the end of a month? Mr. Hodoki, what an incredible offer you've given me. A night with you for freedom. I must respectfully decline. Unless I'm allowed a phone call. Oh. Just one phone call. <laughs> Who am I to deny a phone call? And it needs to be off of this planet. I need to be able to call somebody off of this planet. Am I the one to control where you call? Okay, out of game. I need... <laughs> I need to get a hold of Atlas so that he knows where I am. <laughs> so that he can come rescue me. But I can't decide if Atlas is the better person to contact or if What's-His-Face would answer his phone and even care. Who? The guy, like, the people that were not even supposed to be under the Acers. Oh, you mean, um, Slauson? Yeah. I don't even know if Atlas is alive. In Ray's mind, she's saying, I don't know what to do. What do I do? I don't know who to call. Well, my dear, my dear, you seem to have dreamed off here. Who can I put you through to? Hodoki, I've changed my mind. Hmm? I... I cannot bear the idea of getting into a same room with you when I know the intent is for you to sleep with me. I'm gonna just put it out there. So, I will work my... ass off, for lack of a better words, to get off this planet. Farewell, and I'm walking out the door. was afraid you would say that, my dear. <laughs> it really is a shame. There's not too many fine pickings around here. But I do wish you well. I was prepared to provide you with every accommodation, every means by with which to leave this asteroid and Pleasantville. But... Whether it's fair or not. Whether you're actually Ray. 
or this other person that you claim not to be, well, no one will know. Oh, they'll know. And so will you. looks at you with these kind of big worried eyes and she says she sets her trunk around you and in a warm kind of embrace gives you a tight squeeze oh dear you know an elephant can hear quite far and his loxodons are different i think you made the right choice though the easy one would have been a few hours work i'm proud of you amira I don't know what to do. The vendettas and you and Belgor almost died. And this is the first time I've cried since Alice, since I met Alice. And he was thinking it. I don't, I don't know what to do. Oh, you just get back up onto your feet. That's what we do. We march. We march. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We are going to get out of here. Everything I said before is null and void. I have to leave. And it seems that you do too. Yeah, I'm sure you heard, but the vendettas are now. Have a vendetta. Yes, well, until you came here, you no know, one messed with us except for that first one time. Mm. There is someone we can go to if it's really the vendettas and it's that bad. Who? Lady Nadine Lamour. important sounding name. Oh, she's not much of a lady more than a monster. Where do we find her? We? We don't find her, she finds us. How do we help her find us? I have some people I'll talk to. And then from there, she'll come get us. But you should know. That if we are going to mess with Lady Lamour, well, she is not good news either. She runs a gang of tieflings known as the Blessed Twelve. They have a running grudge against the Vendettas, and more specifically, against the Vendettas' leader, Fangle Eryx. It's a long feud. See, gang war that spreads not just here, but across many different planets. Everyone knows well enough that the two walk a fine line, often taking the violence in the shadows. Mm. 
But if you want protection, and we need to buy that for a short time, Lady Nadim Lamour would be a good person to go to. This might be a crazy question, Amira. Nothing's crazy, dearie. Is there a way to simultaneously go to her and stop what's happening on this planet with the eggs? Stop. Stop. Stop the guild, you mean? <laughs> you and a small army will need to do that. No. You will probably need a great army. Everyone has some sort of bid in the guild. Oh, if you want to stop production, it's going to be war. Is there a way to halt it? Let me understand, term. right? Are you trying to sabotage the operations here? I think so. It's wrong. Oh. But I could do it later, too. Oh, that's uh, long. And I don't see how that helps us escape. I'll come back with Atlas and we'll blow it up later. Don't worry about it. Oh, I once knew an Atlas. But it was a book. <laughs> Thanks. I needed, I needed that laugh. Oh, your atlas wasn't a book. I see. Oh, okay. Why don't you tell me about your atlas? He was a big man with a big grudge, with a big heart, with a lot of big chains around that big heart. And he was quite the, quite the fashionista. Six weeks and five days go by before you get any word from Lady Nadim Lamour. By now, you're very familiar with how things work here. You work from sunup to sundown. You are shepherded to and from your workstations, and you are left aching and ready for sleep by the end of the day. 
The tokens you make are representative of the credits you earned. You spend your tokens. Some of that goes to room and board. Others go to food and clothes. And by the end, you're left with only a fraction of the money that you've worked for. Bilgore the Wretched and Amira think it best for you to stay in very public places or within their protection. And so every step is kept careful along the way. It is on that day you are making your way back. You are in the transport convoy, which is essentially like a bus built so that it floats across the ground at a low hum. You can feel the energy of the motor of the engine resonating through the seats. There are no seat belts. The windows have like these phase bars on them that just spout this plasmic like energy. And it smells of people who have just not showered or been cleaned in a long time. Amira ended up getting something dropped on her foot. And so she got taken to medical. Amira bade that Bilgore stay with you. Because of that, you are on the final transport out. And on this transport, there's a guard that's driving. And there's another guard who has his rifle, his second suit armor with the the black uniform over the top, the visor in front of his eyes, and his rifle at the ready should anything happen. And then there are only three others there. It is only a part way through that you realize you don't recognize this crew. This crew of all humans. There's a light that's switched. The light within switches off. And then it goes back on to a yellow buzz. And at that point, that's when you see all three of the men standing up from where they are. You look down. You look up. They have what looks to be primitive sharpened knives. The guard looks at them, looks at you. He nods, and he turns his back. What? So there's three of them. Are they behind me or in front of me? You are at the back of the bus, and they are at the front, making their way towards you. Is there a door at the back of the bus? Like a school bus? It is, but it's locked. The three prisoners stand up, and one with a particularly just shaggy mane says, (laughs) This is a pretty good hit out for you there, little girly. Looks like I'm making a few extra tokens. Hey, no, I'm making them. Well, it's whoever the fuck gets her head first. And I'm assuming you boys are part of the vendettas under Mr. Fangle. Yeah. Good guess. Nice to meet ya. Yeah, it's gonna be nice meeting you. Shut up! Really nice to meet you. I am actually gonna duck down and crawl under the seats and try and do the hide action. Go ahead and roll a stealth check. 
28. The cruiser hits a bump, and the guys are all thrown kind of to the side and say, God, fuck, where'd she go? And then it's Bill Gore's turn. So whatever you want Bill Gore to do. Bill Gore is going to just shoot the magic missile right away. Shoot, shoot, and slams into which one? Uh, the front one. The front guy, okay. Is he the one who was talking? Uh, the one in the middle is the one that was talking. Oh, we'll just knock him out right in a row, though. Front guy. And you watch as the person gets thrown back, crumples over to the side, dead. The one in the middle says, Oh, shit, it's... They have technomancy. Make sure you move fast. They run all the way to the back, but because the bus is moving and swaying, it's rough terrain, and so they have to dash the rest of the way. The thugs stand over Bilgore, reaching down for him, but on their next turn, they'll be able to do something. The other thug in the back begins looking for you. He's like... Come out, come out, there's not many places to hide. And he starts looking under the seats, and as he's looking, you kind of crawl to the next one. He does not see you. Ray is going in for a sneak attack. A natural one. The bus again hits another bump. You hit the back of your head onto the seat. At the same time, your hands grab the thug. Hey, there she is! He starts scrabbling for you. There is a wetness that begins to form in the back of your head from where you hit it. I need you to make a constitution saving throw. 21. Okay, your eyes roll into the back of your head. And then you don't pass out. You come back. And you see this person scrabbling under, looking down at you with his beard and unkempt smell. Bill Gore is going to do the sunbeam. A sunbeam is a brilliant light that flashes out of his hand. And you need to roll a constitution saving throw above DC 15. Bill Gore stands up and it almost is like this like shrill music begins to kind of like grow. And you realize it's the sound of the nanobots just slamming into each other. The friction creating this light. The electricity beginning to just kind of... And this brilliant point of light begins to grow brighter and brighter. The Fendetta thugs raise up their hands. They're like, what is going on? Knock him down! They both fail. And in that moment, the beam of light gets brighter and brighter. Can't! I can't! See, I can't. I know. Just reach for him, you fool. On a failed save, a creature takes 24 radiant damage and is blinded. And then they start swinging. You, Ray, can only see the silhouettes of this happening. As they're swinging for Bilgore, who ducks back down, one of them swings wide with his knife and catches the other person in the neck. The Vendetta Thug, who's in the front, his skin begins peeling away as Bilgore keeps up the intensity, and it begins to peel back, back, back until his lips melt, and you can see, like, the entire flesh of the the teeth and up behind the gums, and he just falls to the ground, just... (laughs) Everyone falls dead. I'm just going to look over at Bilgore and point at him and point at the guards. Bilgore nods, and as he gets up, he stops, which makes you peek out. From where the driver is sitting, you see them pull out 
their own laser pistol as their companion is looking the other way and just shoot them through the brains. Uh, uh, we had that. We could have taken care of him. Yeah, I know you could have fucking taken care of him. That much I can see. But you needed to be tested. See if you were worthy of speaking with Lady Nadim Lamore. I just want to say there's other ways of trying to find someone worthy than trying to have them murdered, but I'm glad that we passed the test. No, it is more a matter of strength. Well, good job, Bill Gore. Good job to both of you. You passed the test. Is there any more test? No. Just jobs. Okay. Lady Lamore, she got word from your friend, an old friend of hers, said that you were in a bind with the vendettas, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know what I did to piss them off, but they're mad. They released a husk taker. That much is obvious. <sighs> you made a few mistakes. What the hell, did you not get your update on who you should talk to or not talk to when you first got here? No, is that part of the, like, introduction? Like, hey, Ray, welcome to Pleasantville. Don't talk to this person, but this person's free game. Something like that. We'll have a word with Adoki about that. Seems like he left that out, whether on accident or on purpose. Hidoki doesn't like me very much. Yeah, not many people like you, apparently. Hopefully we can become friends. Yeah, well, it looks like you're off to a good start. The people that matter seem to like you. What was your name? My name doesn't matter. I'm gonna take you to Lady Nadine Lamore. Now sit tight. This part's important. We're gonna go back to the transport station. There's going to be a problem with the engine. In the meanwhile, Lady Lamore's people are going to be taking care of these corpses. You will be moved onto a different transport. We'll move you to Lady Lamore and you can have your audience there. I'll follow your lead. smoothly the woman gets up and when she gets up you see that she's dressed similar to her once companion but her skin is like a light pink almost see-through if put up to a light and there are two little nodes that come off of the forehead just about an inch or so that were kind of remind you of a bug her eyes are a little bit too large a little unnerving and she smiles and she says this way
you find that she's lined up into a convoy of these transport systems, probably to be fueled and cleaned for the next day. And she moves you about two buses up, gets into the bus, invites you in. And as you look back, you see some off-duty guards heading into the bus that you just were in. Might I ask you just one quick question? Yeah, keep it short. Is Amira coming? No. Is she okay? She wasn't on the bus. She's not coming. Okay, okay. Thanks. Now, as you guys begin driving off again, this time heading somewhat towards Pleasantville, but not quite, you realize you're heading towards one of the colonies. Not indentured servants, but those who come here actually seeking work. And as you are approaching it, you see that there's quite a few people moving in and out. And I might add that to get to this point, you had to cross around to the backside of the asteroid. As you're crossing through the backside of this asteroid, you see that it is a unfriendly expanse filled with gorges, craters, and you see things not natural some of which are husk takers that seem to kind of just sit there inert. They don't even like respond as the bus goes by. But then you also see other things. What look like men and women, but they don't look like they have the look of someone who is fully with it. They have a kind of a hazed look and more so they remind you of Jorstack where their bodies are near completely taken over by dragon scale and wing. These are the look of people that have become animals. Some of them have just like an arm turn. Some of them have grown entire snouts. Others are almost all dragonborn, it would appear, and just has the face of whatever race they were with. But you eventually start to pull up into this little, this little settlement. Within, there is some faint music. There is the green furl of smoke billowing into your face. It's pungent. It's almost sweet. And you can hear quite a few people talking indoors. No one really pays heed to you guys walking in. It's set up like a card den on the inside. There are a few doors and some stairs that go up. And you see a, like a goblin with these kind of just red eyes. And one thing that keeps everyone tied together is they all have like some sort of like line on their face. Some have more, some have less, but all of them have these like line tattoos on their face. 
the goblin goes, Yeah, so you made it back, huh? And what's with these two? Will you find some initiates? Shut up, Grubby. Their business with Lady Lamar. Mm, I don't know if I like the look of this one. Look at her. She has two different color eyes. What do you say about you? You bite, honey? Do you want to find out? Do I want to find out? <laughs> I'd love to. Nice to meet you, Grubby. And I put my hand out. He reaches his hand out, and it's very soft, actually. Yeah, I like this. Go ahead and roll a charisma check. Eleven. Mm, she'll do. She'll do. At least she picks up on the names quick. Yeah, boss is in. Just go ahead and let him in. And then as he says that, he kind of winks at the woman. He presses like an unseen button, and the door behind him opens up. And as you enter, there are two assassin bots within. They are standing on either side. Red eye, just kind of like going back and forth. This room is a bit smaller, but immediately there's three steps that kind of lead down into this room. And there's like another hallway. And the hallway goes for about 10 feet. You head to it. She opens the door. There is a lift. not farther now. Here we are. And inside, you see a room just beautifully built. Hardwood floors, polished walls, artwork collected. A bed that's like in the shape of a heart, red, like satin on it. It has like the like drapes that kind of fall down around it. But this room is big. That like this, it's huge. That bed may be at the center, but there's so much more to the room. There's there's like a computer on the far side, like sets of them. Two other things that catch your eye is this huge golden harp that is just strumming of its own accord, playing this ethereal, beautiful music. But what catches your eye most are these two men chained to the wall. They wear clothes that are near see-through. And they have rippling muscles. One's human, one's tiefling. One of the men looks up at her and says, Lady Nadim Lamar, you're back. Would you shut up? I have no need for you right now. And it's at that point, Lady Nadim Lamore walks over to a desk that has a chair behind it, and she sits down, and the chair just twirls as she throws her feet up onto the desk. She leans back, puts her hands behind her head. Lady Nadim Lamore, at your service. Well... I was 
not expecting you to be Lady Ladim Lamore. But it's nice to see that you're out on the battlefield, too. <laughs> I'm wherever I need to be. And she removes this collar from her throat. And you see that the collar was like a disguise collar. And as she puts it to the side, most of her features remain the same, except for those two antennas. They turn into short little horns. And you see that her face has these like red tattoos, three lines under the lips that run down to the chin, three lines that go from the bridge of the nose to either side of her face, and three lines that go run up the forehead. And she says, Welcome to the Blessed Twelve. Well, thanks. I, uh, I'll admit, this whole thing has been a bit of a whirlwind, and I don't really know how we got here, or or why you're helping. Well, let me start. An old friend of mine reached out, said that you needed some help, said that you were in hot water with an old enemy of mine, one that I would very much like to take out. The Vendettas. Yes. Fang. Yes. Unfortunately, he knows what he's doing. And likely, to be honest, you probably didn't piss him off. You probably pissed off one of his own people there who just thinks he's bigger than he is. I just can't think of who that would be. I was so friendly with everyone. I'm sure you were. But, you know, you so much as look at the wrong person. And someone might feel disrespected or think whatever. But anyways, how you got here? Let's see. Uh, old friend reached out to me. Yes, check. You needed help. Check. Old friend said that you had a certain skill set and was willing to offer her own to help me. Check. Was that Amira? Why, yes. Is she okay? I don't know. She was supposed to be on the bus with you. I could ask you the same thing. Well, she dropped something on her foot and went to medical, and and we haven't heard from her since. <laughs> you do not play the game well, Ray. Did she drop something on her foot, or was that planned? Now, I didn't put those people on the bus. I just found out about the plan. The Vendettas have been putting together to take care of you. They likely wanted to separate you from the others. 